To another episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I'm your host, Thea Wood. Today's guest is a woman who is a self-proclaimed multi-passionate creative. Her two new songs, Road to Glory and Rise, the song you just heard, are anthemic and optimistic, probably at a time when society needs it most. Please welcome musician, singer-songwriter, actor, producer, and creativity coach, Lauren LaGrasso. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me on. What a beautiful intro. I try to do an intro that really reflects the personality of the person and who I'm talking about or to. You just, it, 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 there's so much encompassing here. And originally we were going to talk a lot about this at South by Southwest on a live podcast stage, weren't we? We were, oh my gosh, I was so excited about that, Thea. I was just jumping for joy. I felt so honored that you asked me. It was going to be a great chat, but you know, for whatever reason, wasn't in the cards. We'll do it at some point. And I'm so happy that we can do this remotely. It's it's great. Me too. Thank thank God for technology. Yes. And you know, the show must go on. And I have to say, you know, in preparation for this, because I am talking with a creativity queen here. I am wearing the same outfit that I was going to wear on stage. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I wish I could say the same. I'm in sweats right now. <laughs> it's because I wanted to feel bold and exciting. And I've got this outfit on that's kind of like pajamas, you know, that pajama kind of feel, but it's an outfit. Yeah, like elegant pajamas. I'm all about it. Yeah. So they're super comfy, but they have this like really bold lapis blue background and then these bronze lions. <gasps> Gorge. You better post that, Thea. I want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. I will. I will. Great. Great. <laughs> and for those of you listening uh, right now, because the South by thing did not happen, uh, we are on Zencaster and Lauren is in LA and I am in Austin, Texas. The spirit of the show must go on. I'm thinking the first thing we do is just start off with our shakedown. Okay. Let's shake it down. Who was your first concert? My first concert was Hanson, the Hanson Brothers. Yeah. When I was in third grade, it was, uh, what was it called at the time? Pine Knob. It's an outdoor concert place. We A lot of people in Michigan have little cottages, what they call up north, which just means in northern Michigan. And so for my friend Katie Starr's birthday, who are still friends to this day, we went to a Hanson Brothers concert and it was magical and we were all in love with Zach. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Well, uh, believe it or not. So folks, something that Lauren and I have in common is we're both from the Detroit metro area. I thought you were, I'm like, this girl, her voice sounds like my people. <laughs> yes. I, we're, we're the same people. And yes. Pine Knob was my first concert. No way. What did you see? I saw Andy Gibb. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my God. Well, both of us saw classics. Those little boy crushes, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Pine Knob is so much fun. I saw Britney Spears there, too. Who else? Maybe the Backstreet Boys. I don't know. Everyone came through there. It's now called DTE Energy Center, but I think it was cooler when it was Pine Knob. All right. Well, let's move on to our next question then, which is, what was the first album you bought with your own money? Okay, so when you say my own money, like, that makes me think of my first job, but, like, I, I'm the first album I really remember purchasing was much before that. And it was with like allowance money. So I bought the cardigans, you know, that love me, love me. I bought that album. Yeah. When I was like eight years old and I loved it and I cherished it. And then my cousin Brian stepped on it. So it had a very sad ending, but a very happy beginning. We'll focus on that. Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your playlist right now? Ooh, I mean, let's see. I I listen to my friend, my dear friend Liz Full a lot. Um, I'm I watched Little Fires Everywhere, the show. I recently binged that, and they had all these amazing covers. So they're like ninety songs, but covered in this really dramatic, beautiful way. So I've been listening to that album, Fiona Apple's new album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. And as far as like a pure pop song, I'm loving Dua Lipa right now. Um, mm. Her song Don't Start Now. It's been blasting everywhere and I just think it's one of the best pop sounds out there right now which woman has had the most influence on your career it's hard to pinpoint one woman I mean my mom I would say in general because she has been my biggest supporter and there have many been many many times when I would have given up had she not told me that basically I couldn't um I called her crying so many times from LA especially in my earlier years just so sad and miserable because I felt like a failure. And she said to me, Lauren, you can't give up. It would break my heart if you gave up. This is your dream. It's something you've wanted since you were three. You have to keep going. And so without my mom, I never could have kept going. If you could have dinner with any woman, dead or alive, who would it be? I would love to have dinner, just to take it back to family. So I'm going to give you a two-part answer, even though you asked for one woman. I would love to have dinner with my grandma because – Um, she got really sick. She was sick for 12 years with a disease called MSA that basically took away her ability to talk. And it wasn't until that happened and it was too late to actually have a conversation and like maybe for her to understand me fully that I understood what happened to her growing up. She had a really tough childhood. And so I would have liked to actually talk with her about it and and just like thank her for the sacrifices she made and for stopping the cycle of abuse because she did that. And she's just an amazing woman. And I feel like I didn't know it until it was too late to verbalize that and have that discussion. Oh, did I go away? I lost you. You said uh, she broke the cycle of abuse. And then I lost you for a minute. Got it. So, um, so my grandmother did break the cycle of abuse. So if I could go back and like, thank her for that. And I'd love to sit down with Oprah. That would also Mm. be great. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you could have your grandmother on one side and Oprah on the other. We'll Perfect. T for three. <laughs> T for three. <laughs> there's, a, there's a song in there somewhere, right? Exactly. All right. We have our last question of the shakedown, 
which is, what is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing that golden stairway to heaven? I'd like to have a child. I'd really like to have a child because if I do that, then that means that I've had enough success to like create a nice home and a life for them. Um, and that would mean a lot to me. Like I always picture having a little girl, uh, but that would be a big goal of mine. Well, look at that. We have already finished with the shakedown. It moved by so quickly. So we just shook right through it. Folks, we'll be right back with more from Lauren LaGrasso. We'd like to take a moment to thank the people, businesses, and organizations that support our podcast and nonprofit Horizon Music Foundation. Thank you to Kathy Valentine of the Go-Go's, Nicole Tate of NBT Consulting Group, Straight Music of Austin, Texas, Tony Caruso of Caruso Signature Events, Stephanie Rea of Austin's Women and Wine Social Club, and Laura Snyder and Adam Bly of Cedar Oak Insurance. Horizon Music's mission to uplift the next gen of women in music is also made possible thanks to our dedicated volunteers, including people like Eleanor Bush, Wendy Kratzer, Brooke Ramos, Grace Lanny, Mary Beth Appleton, and Christy Greeneisen. Want to join our band of dreamers, rule breakers, and rock stars? Details are available at backstagechats.com. Now, on with the show. And we're back with the fabulous Lauren LaGrasso, who is a multi-passionate creative and a woman who just came out with not one but two singles within the past four or five months. I think um, Rise came out in April and Road to Glory came out in November. And I have to say, I said this in my introduction, they're so anthemic and optimistic. And um, I get a feeling, and maybe you can say yes or no to this, but I get the feeling that there's a lot of the underdog overcomes kind of feel. You are reading it and interpreting it just perfectly. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, I realized recently, I think we all kind of think we're underdogs. And that's definitely been, I do think I am an underdog, maybe even objectively. Like that's been a narrative in my life and something I feel like I've had to keep fighting and like clawing my way back um, after I've gotten knocked down. And so my coping method when I'm knocked down is optimism. I call, I call what I, the way I view the world, uh, angsty optimism, because I always believe the best possible thing will happen. I believe the best possible outcome will come, but I like to acknowledge the pain that it takes along the way to get there. So that's definitely reflected in my songs and specifically in these two. As a creative, do you think that, or for people who are super creative, do you think that they're more sensitive to a lot of these issues and, and have to work a little bit harder in that regard, emotionally and spiritually? Yeah, definitely. I think for creative people, we're more likely to be empaths. And I believe everybody is creative, but I think some people have an easier time or a more natural time accessing it than others. And so for those of us that were born this way, we definitely have to work on protecting our energy while also being open and vulnerable and empathetic. So it's a really, really fine line to walk. Um, and I do think that the highs are higher and the lows are lower. And that's a hard thing for anybody to live with. As we all know, it's, um, 
you know, sometimes we get stuck in this grass is greener on the other side type mentality, Mm -hmm. but it's really all about the journey. Like you say, the road to glory, there are so many ups and downs and our success may not look how we originally thought it would. Oh no, it definitely most of the time doesn't. And sometimes that's actually even better than what you could have thought of. Like when I moved to LA, I thought I just wanted to be an actress. That was my singular goal. I never could have imagined. I didn't even write a song until I was 23. So I never could have imagined that I would get to write all this awesome music and play all these amazing venues and produce podcasts for some of the most incredible people in the world and be on air. You know, so sometimes our dreams are actually more limiting than they have to or even should be. Well, and and it and we don't have to limit ourselves to just one goal or or one as you call it creative path. You could have multiple creative paths that complement each other based on your passions and your skills. Your path to becoming a podcast producer in that particular area started with an internship with the Ellen show, am I right? Well, that, yeah, that's what I used to complete my degrees. I got a BFA in acting for Michigan State and a BA in communication. And I thought I was just going to get a double major. And then like the last month of classes at MSU, I realized I needed only three credits to get two pieces of paper. So I'm like, this is crazy if I don't do it. So I applied to an internship on the Ellen Show and one on SiriusXM. And I ended up getting the Ellen show and it paid. So I moved to LA a few days later. And, you know, there was actually a gap between that that internship ending and then going ahead uh, towards Sirius XM, which led me to my podcasting job now. I did like straight up pursue acting for like a year and a half. Then I started doing the music thing and then I started doing uh hosting. I did like a little online radio station and after buzz TV, which then led into this podcasting world. You had women who were helping you or were kind of there with you throughout that at after buzz TV. You mentioned, I think it's Maria Manonos. Yep. Maria Manonos. She's been very influential in my media career. There you go. And uh, Serena Cadilla of Cosmo radio. Serena Codilla. Yeah, she's she's actually currently my boss as well. And she was the one. So Kevin Undergaro and Maria Menounos are the founders of AfterBuzz TV. They introduced me to Serena. And after meeting me and like I pitched her literally like I met her in regard to Maria's show. And I came home that night, stayed up all night and wrote out all these ideas for Maria's show and pitched them to Serena and Maria. And after that, Serena went to her boss and actually created a position for me at SiriusXM to be the associate producer of Maria's show. It was kind of those three together that really started my journey as a producer. I remember when I got the call and Serena told me they created the position for me and that they're excited to have me on, I hung up and immediately started crying because I felt like it was the first time that somebody really stepped out and took a chance on me. And I'd been fighting for like, I think it was four years at that point. It was a big moment for sure. Are you still now, you've worked through all these different areas, and now you're working with Cadence 13. And is that right that you're an executive producer of female programming? That is correct, yes. How cool is it, first of all, that they have a position for female programming? It's very cool. I mean, I wish it was less of a weird thing. You know what I mean? Like, I... I'm like, there would never be like a male programming section, you know? <laughs> so like, I, I can't wait for it to be a non-issue anymore. But while it's still an issue, I am so glad that there's a department. And you know what? Those shows, I mean, Brene's show has consistently since it premiered been in the top five. 
you know, and she's up there with the big boys. Like she knocked Joe Rogan out of the number one position (laughs) a few times. And it's really, really exciting because for so long, women in media were just like poo-pooed or not present at all. And so to see that these powerful women who are making content that really matters, it's not fluffy stuff, are rising to the top of the top of the top, it's really encouraging. And I just encourage any woman who wants to get into media, whether it's on the producing side or as talent, get in there because we need more voices and we need more female-led ideas. Will you please share with our audience some of the other uh, female programs that you've worked on for Cadence? Of course, Girl Boss Radio, Lauren Conrad Asking for a Friend, Yoga Girl Daily, Yoga Girl Conversations from the Heart, the Goop Podcast, Goop Fellas, um, Meaningful Conversations with Maria Shriver, Self-Service Podcast, Jen Gotch is okay sometimes, and I think that's it. I think that's that's quite a list. (laughs) That's quite a list. That's quite a list. And what's more exciting for me is that I is that I'm actually talking to a fellow podcaster because you took this and and turned it into your own podcast, which is Unleash Your Inner Creative. That's uh, right. Yay! (laughs) And you interview creatives in all different types of industries. Yes. I and I want to know why you started that particular podcast. So a couple of reasons, like one of the things I actually came into this job at Cadence with was telling them that I wanted to start my own show. That had always been my dream. Honestly, I didn't want to be a producer at first. I kicked and screamed my way through it and then realized I was really good at it and actually kind of loved it. You know, I really feel like the reason I learned how to produce was so that I could also help make my own dreams come true. And so it was really a stepping forward to say, I believe in myself enough to put my own voice out there after wanting this for so long. But on a more deeper spiritual level, I believe that repressed creativity is the cause of a lot of the world's suffering, whether that's uh, not ever going out for a job you really wanted or starting a project or never having a child. Like there's all these ways in which the lives that we know we are capable of living crumble inside of us and weigh us down and just keep us from living a more fulfilled life. So I wanted to start it to empower people to know that they could claim their right to to creativity because I believe it is your birthright. And also from a more practical point of view, in 50 years, 80% of all jobs will require creativity. Whether that's in the arts or in business, it's going to require creativity because it's one of the few things that AI can't replicate. So learning how to access creativity isn't just this fluffy, aspirational thing. It's actually a really tangible and necessary life tool for business. So I wanted to start it for all of those reasons. Well, I I can appreciate that myself. I mean, I, I feel like the more we can learn... Um for creative purposes, the better, especially, and I think that you and I also have that perspective of coming from the Motor City, where we have so many friends and relatives who are losing jobs to automation. It's kind of a wake-up call for a lot of us, but a lot of us have also been raised in environments where, like you said, creativity maybe has been repressed. And I'm wondering if you could tell me Uh, just diving a little bit more into that and what you've seen and heard and experienced as a coach, what, why did people repress their creativity and what are some of the side effects of that? I mean, I think deep, deep, deep depression is a side effect. I think people repress it for a lot of reasons, but I think every reason stems from fear. So fear to me, that's another goal of the show is to help people take fear out of the driver's seat because 
right before I started this show, I realized that fear was making a lot of my decisions. And I don't want fear to be in the driver's seat of my life. Fear can be a helpful tool. It can inform us of what we're um, either not supposed to do or what we want to do, but we're too scared to do. But I don't think it should be making decisions for us. We want to put our dreams in the driver's seat. We want to put our self-worth in the driver's seat, but fear doesn't belong there. So I do think everything stems from that. A lot of times, like for people like us, Thea, like growing up, you know, my dad is first generation Italian. So he, while he always supported me and loved coming to see my plays and, and musicals and choir concerts, he was also really scared for me. And I'll never forget having this conversation with him where something good happened for me, like as a musician, I don't really even remember what it was. It was a small thing, but it was exciting. And, and he was like, that's great. But he had reserved to him. I go, dad, why can't you ever just like be happy for me? Why aren't you just happy? And he goes, I am happy. I'm just scared for you. And he started crying, you know? And I think that that we need to realize a lot of times the fear that our parents put into us or that we have in ourselves isn't actually based in anything besides fear itself. So um, asking yourself what's true, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen. For me, uh, putting myself out there as a creative and trying, I realized was a far better option. Like, let's say I fail, I would much rather fail than never try at all. So I think people just like really need to get realistic with themselves, ask themselves what the worst thing that could happen would be and ask if they really want fear ruling their life. Because the, the side effect of not going toward whatever your heart is yearning for is deep depression, anxiety, repression of self, and just not living life to the fullest. And we weren't sent here to be small. We were sent here to expand as much as we possibly can. So go for it. Go for it. For those who do go for it, who are either, whether it comes naturally or they cultivate it, is there a common denominator or a common trait that you have found in the people that you interview and work with who are highly creative? Is there something that you have found that's common between all of them? I, tenacity, for sure. I think that is the number one thing. Tenacity, hard work. People who aren't, I'm pr kind of risk adverse, believe it or not. Um, a lot of successful business people are very willing to take risks. I've had to train myself to be more okay with risk, but that's definitely a common factor is that they're willing to take risks. They just keep going. I mean, th there's a, something I call on the podcast called the creative crossroads, which is a moment in every creative person's life where basically everything has gone wrong. Can I swear on this show? Sure. No? Okay. The shits hit the fan. Um, like they've lost all their funding. They're like hanging on to their life by a thread and they have a choice. Either they make a different plan for their life or they keep going toward what they're going toward, but in a completely different way. And the people who continue down the path that they were going on and like just choose a different way to get there always have wild success after they make that decision. So I really think it's tenacity, hard work. Obviously you have to have the talent, but that's just a given sticking with it and being willing to take risks um, that are smart risks, not, you know, I'm going to spend all my money on a pyramid scheme. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and, and actually you kind of took a risk by saying, all right, it's time for me to pick up a guitar, start songwriting and, and pursue the musical side of my creative self. How old were you when you finally made that decision to really go for it? 
I was 23 and I had tried playing guitar maybe four other times in my life and always failed. And it was just this weird thing. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to think I'm insane, but it was my, it was my last summer at Michigan state. Now this is rewinding a bit. I was 22 at this point, but there were, um, I had always kept my guitar in my closet there and I kept thinking like, I don't know, maybe I should just play that guitar. Why not? I'm like, no, it's never worked for you before. Just keep moving on with your life. And then I woke up one morning and there were two guitar picks on my floor. To this day, I've never known where those have come from. I hadn't had anyone in my room. I didn't have guitar picks handy. So it's interesting because after I found those guitar picks, I started playing with them and suddenly I was able to play chords like I had never been able to before. So that's when I started playing guitar. And after that, um, I brought the guitar with me to California. And, and when I turned 23 is when the song started coming out of me. And it was the fall after I'd been in, in LA for a year is when I started playing out. And Eleanor Rigby, the song by the Beatles had some inspiration for you. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You are good. You really do your research. I'm impressed. Yes. (laughs) That song was what made me realize I could be a songwriter because it's only two chords. So if I thought if the greatest songwriters of all time could write a song that was just two chords, then I could write a song, too. You had financed uh, Rise and Road to Glory in a very unusual way. And I was hoping that you could share that with our audience. I would love to. So yes, I have actually a five song EP. I'm going to have another single coming out this June. And all five songs were funded from a game show. I won $17,000 on a game show called Boom. It was only out for a year. It was hosted by this guy named Tom Papa. And it was basically like, who wants to be a millionaire except you're on teams? And if you don't get the answer right, a bomb, it's not a real bomb, obviously, like a food bomb explodes in your face. And so (laughs) we almost won a collective $400,000, which would have been split between the three of us. But instead we won 50, which came out to about 17,000 per person. So It was awesome because I didn't have to like do a GoFundMe or, you know, what's the other one called? Oh, Patreon. Patreon. or Yeah, exactly. I was able to just fund it myself because of that game show money. So no one, no one's ever asked me about that, but it's, it's a little fact. And I actually highly recommend you go on a game show if you ever get the opportunity. Coincidentally, I have a friend here in Austin who ended up on Wheel of Fortune And won enough money to put a down payment on his house. Amazing. See, it happens. I was just so concerned with whether or not I'd look like a fool on national television that I never even conceptualized we could win money until we already had like 25 grand in the little bank. And I was like, whoa, we got to answer these questions right. I love it. Well, everyone, find out, figure out your favorite game show and then apply. There you go. You should. Could fund your dream project or your dream house. Exactly. And uh, getting back to uh, Rise and Road to Glory. So you you have this money that you can start investing in recording your music. And you worked with Jeff Bova, who's a Grammy Award winning producer. How did uh, how did that come about as a collaboration? My guitar teacher, Jason Lan, who has an incredible company called Guitar Ninjas, used to do session work for Jeff. And I had been having a hard time finding someone that I vibed with for the album. And I've been looking around for like six months at this point. And I mentioned it to Jason. He introduced me to Jeff. 
Jeff and I had a conversation and he listened to my music and he called me up and said he'd love to work together. And I, you know, I since then have asked him because I was like, I was just this like little punk kid. I was really not very good at guitar at that time. You know, I'm sending him all these like kind of crappy iPhone recordings that I'd done. I said, Jeff, what made you want to work with me? And he said, well, you have a really interesting take on song structure. You you don't think of it like other people do because probably I don't have that classical music background. And mm. he said, and you believed in yourself so much. He's like, that, that energy was so infectious that I just thought I want to work with this girl because she really sees, has a vision for her life. So I think, you know, the takeaway for any young musicians or any musicians of any age listening is just believe in yourself because that alone can make someone want to connect with you and join your team. You know, there are some things that with practice and like you said, tenacity will start to come into your favor. If you have that confidence to start with, it's kind of like they say that men will apply for jobs that have 10 different requirements. And as long as they can check off one of them, they'll apply for the job. Whereas women have to feel like they need to check every single box before they'll apply for the job. Yes. And I think that we need to just put our confidence in the fact that, well, I can do this one thing really well or these couple things really well and the rest of it I'll pick up. Right. Yeah. You And I got to say, because the, the process of making the album took a long time because it was during that time. So I started working with him and then the Sirius XM job came up like two months later. So that really sidetracked me because I basically had to learn how to be a producer. Um, but during that time, it was so necessary because I became, I took all these voice lessons. I feel like really learned how to sing from my guts for the first time, became a much better songwriter, much better guitar player. So, you know, as long as you stick with it, you really, you can, you can become so much better. Like, I guess that's something I didn't realize and I wouldn't have realized unless I had picked up a new skill later in life, like I did. One of the things that I love about your podcast is that not only are you practicing your creativity, but you're encouraging other people to do the same and somewhat like our conversation now. But one of the things that I really liked about your Instagram feed is that you have creativity challenges for your followers. Yes, that's something we've started in the past few weeks, actually, since quarantine. And this week's one is longing. So create anything off of the word longing, anything that that word inspires for you. It could be a meal. It could be a song. It could be a drawing, anything that that word inspires. And um, one of my listeners started his own podcast. He just sent it to me today. I had uh, one of my other listeners write a poem last week. Um, I wrote a song off of one of our words of the week. So I would love for you, Thea, and any of your listeners to join us in this. It's just really fun. And I've been sharing them on the page and on the show. I love that. Thank you. And yes, I'm going to start joining because now that I know that that's going on, uh, I'm always up for a creative challenge. Yeah. And you know, it's been hard because during quarantine, I think a lot of us have felt pressure to be like, I have to be creative and I have to produce and I have to be effective. And some of us are really not feeling super inspired right now. And, and that's understandable. But sometimes having that container to create in gives you the inspiration you need because there's not a billion choices. There's like one little container that you can create in, and then make all those choices within it. So it's been helpful to me. It's very helpful. Like you were saying, you know, now we're in the quarantine area. This is all being recorded here in the beginning of May. Your song, Rise, came out 
in April at the height, pretty much, of shelter in place. How was that different for you than, for instance, when you had launched Road to Glory, which was pre-quarantine? It's hard to compare because Road to Glory was my first one. So I had all of the anticipation of four and a half years of working on this music tied up in that. So I felt so much pressure. I, I will say a couple things. I actually liked releasing it during this time better for a few reasons, I think. One, I think the music was more needed now. And it was always meant to come out at this time, but it's just like super divine timing. I think that the song is so on theme. Like I sang it today on an Instagram live and I'm like, I feel like this song is literally about human beings battling COVID-19. For that, I feel I feel really grateful that it came out during this time. I also, I'm really grateful that I've been able to engage with more people via social media. I wasn't as focused on that last time. I was thinking about live shows and like, could I get any press? Whereas this time around, I feel like because I know the only way I can engage with people is online, I've been really delving into that and and talking with so many more people because of that. I did get a write-up in People Magazine, which was like the biggest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And I'm not sure that that would have happened pre-quarantine. I mean, yes, there's a lot of press right now with all the important things that are going on. But as far as entertainment, it's a little bit of a quieter time. So that was actually something that I think might have been an advantage for me. And again, kind of divine timing. And um, I also think I feel less pressure. Like I've this past amount of time has really made me realize what's important. And what's important to me is being with my family, being able to do what I love. But the outcome of it feels a lot less important than it once did. Like, I feel like I tied up my worth and outcomes so much throughout my life. And I think because this is almost like a near-death experience for all of us, it's made me realize what matters. And what matters is for me, like the physical act of doing it, I can't control how it's received. And I actually am at peace with that now, whereas before I was still trying to control it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that too comes from concern of what are people going to think of me? One of the things that I wanted to ask you as we start to get to the close of our little chat here, which is so much fun and it's going by so quickly. One of the things I wanted to ask is what your advice for women contemplating a career path or a shift in general to more creative pursuits. I would say, don't think too much, just do it. One of my mentors who I mentioned earlier, Kevin Undergaro, always used to say to me, less think, more do. And I used to be like, okay, whatever. But what about this and this and this? You know, it's true. You don't want to do something before you're ready, but you have to know the difference between not being ready and being afraid of what might happen. I want you to take it out of the driver's seat to realize who you are, that you weren't sent to this earth to be small, that you were sent to this earth to expand and to be big and to help as many people as you possibly can. And that just by doing something creative just by following your heart and your passion. You're helping the world because you're creating your own happiness and your own happiness, the ripple effects of that, we could never, ever know that. So follow your bliss. And I really believe that the success will come. It might not be the exact path you thought. I do believe sometimes you need to go a long way out of the way in order to come to the right place correctly, but just keep following what feels good and you're going to get there. I promise you. And I believe in you. Thank you for those words of encouragement. And, and for people who 
want to listen to Lauren's podcast, Unleash Your Inner Creative, it's uh, it's on, I know, Apple Podcasts, and uh, you're on Spotify too, right? Yep, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I recently put it on Stitcher, Anchor, uh, Overcast, basically everywhere. So <laughs> go find it wherever you listen to podcasts, and uh, I'd love to have you in the creative community. It would mean a lot to have you there. Thank you so much for the invitation. And also in, in our show notes, we will have links to Lauren's videos and music and her podcast, as well as all kinds of other little information. Thank you so much for being on Backstage Chats with Women in Music. We really enjoyed having you here. Oh, thank you for having me. You're so great at what you do. And thank you for everything you do for women in music and for lifting up creatives. It means a lot to have you in the community and to have you as a colleague, as a podcaster. And just think the world of you and can't wait to be in touch. Oh, well, that just warms my heart. <laughs> my crazy little heart. <laughs> and thanks to all of you listeners out there, uh, because obviously without you, this wouldn't be possible. Uh, we love sharing the stories of ladies like Lauren, who remind us to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash our inner rock star. Look forward to seeing you at our next chat. Rock on, everybody. Backstage Chats with Women in Music is a production of Horizon Music Foundation. Contributors include RISE songwriters Lauren LaGrasso, Jeff Bova, Carrie Cole, Miranda Glory, and Jordan Lear. Our social media coordinator, Eleanor Bush. Podcast hosting platform, Simplecast. And podcast theme music from Pond5.